Get ready, it's time for Motorsports Madness, powered by the staff at Race Chaser Online. Your motorsports, your way, every day. And now, here's your host, Jacob Seelman. Howdy. Good evening, race fans, and welcome to another two hours of what is going to be fast, furious, and very, very much fun motorsports conversation here on the Performance Motorsports Network. It is Motorsports Madness. My name is Jacob Seum. I'm the managing editor at RacechaserOnline.com, your motorsports, your way every day. I am joined at the roundtable by Tom Baker and Cisco Scaramuza. And if you've been living under a rock for the last 24 hours, you may have missed that, oh, hey, there were a few little big skirmishes that happened at Martinsville Speedway over the weekend, and, well, (laughs) I don't have enough words to try and describe exactly how this all went down, so in case you missed it in 60 seconds, here's Martinsville, and then we'll talk about what we thought. Elliott has the lead, but Hamlin looks to the inside. Elliott diving, trying to block. Down the back stretch again. Less than three to go. The bumper to the back of the 24. Elliott goes around. Hamlin takes the lead and the caution comes out. Hamlin surges ahead. Clearly out front. The 18 running second. Truex in third. Now here comes Boyer fighting back on the inside. A little bump there at the 18. Side by side as they come back to the strike. White flag in the air. Kyle Busch on the inside. Kyle Busch up the racetrack. He moves the 11 up. Here comes the 78 of Truex Jr. Into the final turns. Martin Truex Jr. has never won on a short track. As he comes out of four, it's a drag race. They wreck behind him. Kyle Busch will win. Yes, sir. Checkered. Like I said, I didn't have enough words to do it, so we let Rick Allen and our friends at NBC Sports do it for me. With all that said, Tom, (laughs) it was a, I don't even want to say a comedy of errors. I'll say what I said in my story Sunday night. It was a great race that devolved into absolute unmitigated chaos inside of the last 15 laps where we had a shove and run, a dump and run, and then a bump and win. Kyle Busch gets the clock and everybody else leaves with hurt tempers. (laughs) Yeah. um, Could we do this 10 more times? Uh, As as our friend James Pike said Uh, on Facebook last night, can we just have 10 playoff races at Martinsville, please? Yeah. uh, Boy, you know, it definitely has been uh, an interesting last uh, 24 hours or so, hasn't it? My head's still spinning, and I was there. (laughs) You know, uh, just being – just – Watching it uh, from my couch, trying to to fight this whatever it is I still have and stay awake through it, which I managed to somehow do. Um, You know, you you look at the end of the race and just so many things. I mean, first you had uh, Chase Elliott basically establish himself as a contender and do such a good job of putting himself in position to win. You had... 
you know, Brad Keselowski, the fastest car all day, and he's in position to win. And then you had Denny Hamlin after Elliott moved Keselowski, Hamlin moves Elliott, and they end up getting into the altercation. And here we are under the lights at Martinsville. It's a Saturday night short yes. track. Can, by the way, can we do the lights at Martinsville more? Well, yes, you please. know, it's all part of the, the, the scene here because – you know, Saturday night short track throwdown at Martinsville that ends under the lights, and you've got drivers fighting with each other. You had Hamlin and, and uh, Chase Elliott who were having words. You had uh, Ryan Kevin, and Kevin Harvick, Harvick. and yep. Ryan Blaney having words. Uh, and, and oh, by the way, Kyle Busch, was like I said, a race he got the clock. And Truex somehow winds up. I mean, he I came told out of that. You. You know, it, I it, it told was, you. It was a situation where, you know, well, but on Thursday night you gave Elliott a one percent chance to win, and I gave him sixty. So I yeah, guess we he can didn't win. Cancel that out. Well, Truex <laughs> didn't either. But I mean, it, it's, it's. I didn't say Truex did. You asked me if he would finish in the top five. I said yes. The 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 idea that we had all this going on. I mean, this is. This is what we've got. This is today's NASCAR playoff. Now, you can like it or dislike it, but the fact is that that race on Sunday, yesterday, was exactly what NASCAR needed. It, it, it absolutely was was a shot in the arm. And, uh, you know, we're, we we probably don't have enough time on this show to break down all of the storylines to the point where they should be, you know, you can talk about Jimmy Johnson coming from the back and putting himself in position to be in the lead, but then not being able to stay there. I mean, you look at, the, you can talk about Clint Boyer's great run. I mean, Cisco, you look at the overall picture here. I'll, Jacob, I'll go back to you, actually. Um, you look at the overall picture here, and I really think that, you had a race where if you couldn't find something about that race that you liked and something about that race that you didn't like, you weren't paying very close attention. Well, I'm going to amend your line because it's kind of a movie reference here, and it's one of my favorites. Cisco, this is my message to all the fans out there. If you couldn't find something to get up on the edge of your seat about during that race, I ain't got nothing for you. And I ain't got nothing for any fan that tries to tell me they were disappointed with that race on Sunday. Because as Tom said, it had everything. <laughs> yeah, everything. Including what I will say will be an interesting Tuesday if they announce anything as far as penalties go. I do know there's going to be one fine heading its way towards the driver uh, at number 11. I'll get to that in a second. But we'll get about we'll get to that in a moment, but no, it was something where this is you said this is what NASCAR needed, Tom. This is what NASCAR wanted too. This is we knew this when this playoff format was announced. This was going to happen in some shape or form. That's exactly what happened. It's what happened with Kenseth and Logano, and it's what happened this year as well. Well, I don't. I mean, I don't know that NASCAR wanted everything we got. I mean, I think NASCAR I think they, wanted attention and they sure. got it. <laughs> well, look, Martinsville is a short track. It, this is the kind of racing you get at Martinsville. And oh, by the way, guys, I mean, we, we, we can't blame the playoffs for no. all of this. 
go back through the annals of NASCAR history, we've been banging, slamming, fighting, and feuding at tracks like Martinsville and Bristol for decades. This is not a new thing. So all of these people that are acting like this race was so awful at the end because everybody moved everybody or crashed anybody, were you watching NASCAR in the 70s, in the 80s? I mean, Dale Earnhardt made a career out of moving people out of the way to win races. Or wrecking Terry Labonte. You know, wrecking people (laughs) at at times. Now, you know, I don't recall uh, everybody saying NASCAR sucked back then because of, of that type of thing. I mean, come on. I haven't seen anybody say NASCAR sucks. Well, it, it, yeah, I actually did after that race that on, on Twitter. What? There were a number of people on, on, on Twitter. Uh, that, like I that said, were, I ain't got nothing for them. Well, you know, I mean, the, the complaint was instead of being able to pass drivers, you have to move them. And it's like, well, gosh, this is not a new thing. It's short track NASCAR racing. This has been going on for, you know, for years. Uh, so I didn't I, quite get that. No, I didn't either. Now, <laughs> a couple of things that I will briefly touch on, and then we will hear from the drivers coming up in this show. But as you heard from Rick Allen and our friends at NBC, which, by the way, uh, thanks to them for the late race clips and fun and frivolity that you heard off the top of this show you had a couple of things here first you had Joey Logano get run into by Kyle Busch which led to a tire rub which was very severe and the argument was made by a lot of people that Joey should have pitted he didn't that brought out a caution and led to the restart in which first Chase Elliott muscled Brad Keselowski out of the way to take the lead, and then Denny Hamlin dumped Chase Elliott to take the lead, which drew a caution and set up an overtime finish in which Kyle Busch moved Denny Hamlin on the last lap and then nearly lost the race to Martin Truex. There will be a pop quiz later, I promise. Now, (laughs) with all that came... A lot of hot tempers of wordy dirt by Denny Hamlin from NBCSN that, by the way, will not be fined this week by NASCAR, per Steve O'Donnell on Twitter earlier this morning. And, oh, by the way, Tom, Steve-O also saying on SiriusXM, that's just Martinsville, and there ain't no penalties coming here, as it should be. Well, I mean, what would you penalize somebody for, really, other than moving somebody or running into the back of them? I mean, they're not going to penalize any of the drivers who were talking to each other heatedly. I mean, what, you've got no, nothing to penalize anybody for. You know, we we need to talk probably in our next segment about the Logano situation in more depth. But if you kind of take that out of the picture for a minute, I don't know why anybody would think there would be a penalty or a fine for any of the other incidents that happened on the track because it was typical short track racing. We're making way too much out of some of this stuff like it's never happened in NASCAR before. Well, typical short track racing led to very, very bent tempers and bent sheet metal between Chase Elliott and Denny Hamlin. And a fight! 
which we'll talk about and hear from both drivers coming up in our next segment. You're listening to Motorsports Madness, and I promise you, we are just getting started here on PMN, the Performance Motorsports Network. You own a performance car, and you know how to drive, but you want to learn real performance driving. Well, Bunky, get that car off the street and onto the track. Summit Point Motorsports Park, the Mid-Atlantic's premier road racing facility, located just over an hour from D.C. in nearby Summit Point, West Virginia, is the place to go. And you'll find that Friday at the track is going to give you what you need. For less than a monthly car payment, you can attend this regularly scheduled one-day instructional event in your street car on one of Summit Point's three world-class road racing circuits. You'll receive classroom instruction, skid pad instruction in their cars, including front and rear skid control, and four 20-minute in-your-car instructional sessions from a professional instructor. Have fun, go fast, and really learn how to drive. Call 304-725-8444 for class schedules and details. That's 304-725-8444. Friday at the track at Summit Point Motorsports Park. Green light. Hey, girl. School zone. I'm getting hungry. Car changing lanes. You want to meet me for pizza? Stop sign. Intersection clear. Yeah, street. Pizza sounds good. Ball in street? Girl in street! (gasps) It's hard to concentrate on two things at once, like texting and driving. Stop the text. Stop the wrecks. How will you stop texting and driving? Tell us at stoptextstoprex.org. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Here's an important message from Rad and this station. Hi, this is Bob Sheehan from Blues Traveler for Rad, recording artists against drunk driving. I like to party just as much as the next guy, maybe even more. But the one thing I won't do after I've had a few is get in the car and drive. Don't blow it. Always choose a designated driver. Remember, music lives and so should you. Automotive technicians and auto service trainees, how would you like to work at the beach and perform for one of the best car care centers in the nation? Lewis Meineke is now looking for skilled automotive technicians to join their award-winning team. If you're a gearhead that knows his or her stuff or a young up-and-comer that has the motivation and drive to succeed, then you need to make this call today, 302-827-2054. Lewis Meineke Car Care Center, located in beautiful Lewis, Delaware, offers a highly competitive compensation plan, great benefits, a flexible schedule, and did we mention that you're going to be working at the beach? Plus, there's a signing bonus for the right candidates. Technicians must be ASE certified and have a minimum of six years' experience. Beginners advance at your own pace in one of several entry-level positions. But whatever you do, don't wait. These jobs will go fast. Call Tim at 302-827-2054. That's 302-827-2054. Lewis Meineke Car Care Center. Rev up your career. Hi, I'm Matt Tift, and you're listening to Race Talk on the Performance Motorsports Network. Welcome back to the Madness here on the Performance Motorsports Network. Jacob Seelman alongside Tom Baker and Cisco Scaramuza talking racing and talking feuding right now from Martinsville Speedway, the first Data 500. And we were discussing before the break about the Uh, as many fans have called it, and I'm kind of inclined to agree with them, Tom, dump and run that Denny Hamlin put on Chase Elliott coming to two laps to go in regulation Sunday night. Now, we can argue whatever 
we want, I guess, about the move itself. But the fact of the matter is Chase Elliott goes from probably winning that race or at least having a very, 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 very good shot to win it to being in a must-win situation at Texas and Phoenix that I don't think he can dig his way out of. Yeah, it's really... It's disheartening. It is disheartening. I mean, the whole thing with that situation was... I mean, I don't know that I thought it was intentional that Hamlin wrecked Chase Elliott, and I still don't think it was. I think Denny just went way too hard into the corner and attempted to boot him out of the way. Um, He just, you know, and it definitely was a dump, but I don't think it was supposed to be quite as dramatic as it was. Um, It almost seemed to me like Hamlin just lost his head going into the corner and didn't lift as no, early. No, he didn't. didn't he, it, he had Chase jacked up 100 feet before the corner. Well, but that was still going into the corner. I, I think I think the big thing is I think he was just, I don't know what he was thinking. I mean, and he took, I mean, he sent a tweet out after the race, took full ownership of the situation. But, you know, you're at, a, at the level that they're at, that just shouldn't happen. That stuff should not happen. You're a professional race car driver, you should not be putting yourself in a position to do something like that to another competitor. I don't care what the situation or the circumstances are. If you're going to nudge somebody out of the way or, you know, get alongside them and kind of push them up the track like yeah. a couple of the other guys did, that's one thing. But, um, you know, Denny's situation was just, again, it was uncalled for. Chase Elliott said exactly that. And it cost Chase an opportunity to win his first race again. And, uh-huh. you know, and it may have taken him out of the championship. You know, he's he's basically going to have to win Texas or Phoenix to get in, I think. At yeah, this he's point, almost 30 know. points out already, Cisco. And huh, we'll hear from both sides of this in a moment. But what really got me bug-eyed was the moment when I was getting ready to step over the pit wall and walk onto pit road to start uh, working with drivers after the race and get some sound. And all of a sudden, through my earplugs, this roar from the crowd that was almost deafening as Chase stuffed Denny into the backstretch wall on the cool-down lap. (laughs) And you could hear it not only that, you could also hear it when they were interviewing both drivers because... Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but they were on the PA system for NBC. So everybody oh, yes. heard those interviews. Oh, yes. And you could hear the crowd absolutely jeering, as you will in a moment. You could hear the crowd jeering at Denny Hamlin and cheering Chase Elliott. Yes, and frustration from the 24, and, well, no apologies, at least at first, from Denny Hamlin We'll go first to driver 24 because I I, I think a lot of people would argue the frustration here was not only justified, it was uh, certainly appreciated by a lot of fans. You know, he came over and talked to me on the back straightaway, and funny thing was, he said somebody was pushing him and wasn't two car lengths between him and the next guy, so... um, my mom always said, don't say nothing. You don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all. So 
he's not even worth my time. We're going to go on to Texas. What does it mean to hear this crowd as they were booing Denny and now you hear the cheers as they see you on the screen? Well, it's just unnecessary. I mean, we had a, had a clean restart. Brown and I were racing hard for the lead, and, and there was no one pushing him into turn three. So I, I wanted to see the replay. That's what I thought happened, and that's what happened. And um, it's definitely 100% unnecessary and uncalled for. You've come so close so many times now to winning. How do you wrap your head around losing one this way? Well, I, you know, we had a great car today, and, and we had an opportunity, had a good restart there at the end, and felt like I was uh, doing what I needed to do. And, uh, you know, I, I can't control his his decisions and, and whatever whatever the hell that was. So, uh, on to Texas. Thank you, Chase. Yep. Yeah. I mean, Tom, I take a lot of things away from that, but... I think one of the biggest things I took away in the immediate aftermath of that interview was that Chase Elliott handled that with as much class as anybody could have asked for in light of getting taken out of what I thought was almost a surefire win. Well, I would agree that's that's pretty much who Chase Elliott is. I mean, he he didn't he he did exactly what I thought he would do going into the race. He raced very aggressively he showed what he needed to show to put himself in position to win and but when that incident was over he got out of the car he had his his say with Denny and then he when it came time to do the interview he didn't he didn't second guess anything or didn't fudge the truth but you know he also again like you said he handled it with class he just kind of kept it to here's what happen here's so he didn't really uh i mean some people i guess would argue it might have been a little too plain vanilla but it wasn't non-authentic that's that's who chase elliott is you're not going to get you know fire and brimstone out of chase elliott that's just not the kind of person that he is no it's probably honestly the most frustration i've ever seen out of chase well and i think that but i think the fact that he did show that and i think the fact that people saw that that's who chase is he probably won a lot of fans as if he didn't have them already well you know i mean i think i think he honestly this probably did more in the long run to to build his uh following than you know anything but you know i'm sure he would have gladly traded that for the win on the other side of the ring this from denny hamlin i got in the back of him and he spun out uh but uh trying to get uh trying to get a race win but you know it's uh everybody wrecked everyone there at the end it was complete chaos and just uh, i got in the back of him and and he spun out and somebody got in the back of me and i wrecked too it's it was just it was a mess at the end i mean you no know, everybody was doing the exact same thing uh i hate it for his team i understand they're, they're you know had a, a win for a long time coming but this is a, a ticket to homestead and i'm not sure you know I'm not sitting here uh, saying that I wrecked him on purpose. and I uh, tried to move him out of the way and spun out. And again, he didn't deny it. <laughs> well, he didn't say it, but at the end of the day, he made the statement that everybody was doing the exact same thing. No, everybody was moving everybody. You wrecked somebody. somebody. You drove straight into the back of somebody going into a corner and ended up putting him in the fence. I mean, 
there was a big difference between the way that the other drivers were racing each other and the way that Denny raced yeah. Chase. And that's too bad because ultimately he didn't win the race, neither did Chase. And, you know, I don't know. It, it just, to me, that that whole thing, it like I said, it never felt like an intentional wreck. It just felt like Denny being an idiot and failing to control his race car going into the corner. That's really... He and he more or less admitted that in the tweet yeah. afterward. I think once he had a chance to really step back from the emotion and look at it, he realized, okay, you know, this was not good. I didn't get the feeling that tweet was a PR thing or anything like that. It seemed very sincere. And I think if you're going to take ownership of something, that's kind of how you do it. Um, he just we just kind of lost his mind for a minute or two. and Well, there were know, a lot of people that lost their minds at the end of yeah, that race. Uh, I will say this. The, the the fan that came after Denny, you know. That was just bad. Yeah, again, can't do that. It, that concerns me going forward for what fan access and how it may change because you you just can't have situations like that. It's unfortunate, and we can debate that later in the show, but Cisco, <laughs> it's amazing, isn't it, how the same fifty or 60,000 fans that for so many years cheered Virginia's favorite modern-era son to five wins at Martinsville in an instant made him possibly the new biggest villain in NASCAR at his home track. At his home track, and what I found funny about this whole thing, and Kyle Busch summed it up very, very well in his interview, where he's like, well, I mean, there's a lot more attention on everybody else than us right now, and Kyle is not exactly, you know, one to shy away from that, Tom, and it's one of those cases where Kyle's just in there like, it's not me, and it, and Kozlowski kind of said the same thing, it's not me, they're not yelling at me about it, so, I mean, these are two drivers that are caught up a lot of the time in the controversy, and you know it's interesting well, just every real quick let's let's end this segment by saying this denny hamlin is a professional first class nascar driver in terms of skill and ability he knows what it takes to do this and i probably shouldn't have called him an idiot it was just a moment where he just wasn't using his head going into that corner and you know it just went in way too hard but you know at the at the conclusion of the race, when you see him come out with that tweet, I think he pretty much answered his own critics and said, yeah. okay, I see what it is. I, I see what I did. You know, it certainly wasn't intentional, but I have to take ownership of it. You know, now we go on to Texas. I mean, I don't, I don't <laughs> think Chase is going to – I don't see the retaliation. I don't think Chase is into that. Uh, if he can, I'm if not he, sure about well, Chase. I know Alan Gustafson said – well, you know, the 11 know, better be prepared for it at the end of the it, 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 yeah. But the problem is you you you've still got to focus on what you're doing and focus on winning races. And I don't think Chase is going to go out and, you know, crash Denny or whatever. But I do think that he will take the opportune time if he gets a chance to move him out of the way and do it the right way. I think he'll show him how he should have done it at Martinsville. I believe that absolutely may happen at Texas. And let me tell you who the big winner in all of this 
probably is going to be. <laughs> and it's the same guy who was tweeting about it this morning. You know right now, Cisco, that Eddie Gossage is sitting back in his chair in his office yeah. getting ready for Texas this weekend going, thanks, guys. Can we do this every week? <laughs> oh, oh, for sure. And uh, I think Eddie was tweeting a little bit about it even that night of. And he knows that. I mean, we've seen this show before. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know, I, I do agree with Tom that, I mean, Alan's not driving the car, but at the same time, this is going to be a true test of who exactly, what kind of driver is Chase Elliott. Yes, it will be. We're going to step aside when we come back. More Motorsports Madness here on PMN, the Performance Motorsports Network. Do you love the sound of high-revving motors and the smell of burning rubber? Do you want to get your car sideways right at the ragged edge of control? If you've always wanted to try drifting or learn to improve your drifting skills, Summit Point Motorsports Park, the Mid-Atlantic's premier motorsports facility, has the expert instructors and the specialized track to teach you how to drift and the skills necessary to drift competitively. From skid pad to open sessions, Summit Point Motorsports Park has the safe and open environment that allows drifters of all skill levels new to intermediate to get sideways and smoking. With a focus on safety and the skill set necessary to drift competitively, Summit Point Motorsports Park's Drift Nirvana is just the thing for you. Call for your reservation today, 304-725-8444. Or for more information, go online, summitpoint-raceway.com, or you can email them at office at bsrinc.com. Drift Nirvana, getting you sideways the right way. HMS Motorsport is the leader in motorsport safety. HMS serves the majority of Monster Energy NASCAR Cup, Xfinity, and Camping World Truck teams, many IndyCar and IMSA WeatherTech teams, as well as countless SCCA and club-level racers and driving enthusiasts throughout North America, featuring world-renowned brands like Stilo Helmets, Schroep Belts, Adidas Suits and Shoes, HJC Helmets, Orca Driver Gear, Lifeline Fire Systems, and even RaceCom Radio Kits. HMS representatives are experts in their field and focused on only one thing, making your track driving as safe as possible. With locations in Mooresville, North Carolina and Danvers, Massachusetts, the staff at HMS is always ready to take the time and help you find the right product for your safety needs. Don't settle for second when it comes to motorsport safety. Stop into HMS Motorsport. Visit them on their website at hmsmotorsport.com or send them a message on Facebook and tell them the folks from PMN Radio sent ya. What an awesome game. What's up with your car? I don't know. It won't start. How are we getting home? Chill. My parents signed me up for the roadside assistance from Lewis Meineke. It was free with my oil change. They'll come and get the car started or get us home and tow the car to the shop. Good to know. With my driving, my parents never know what to expect. When you join the Meineke Car Care Club with a $35 preferred service, you get four free months of roadside assistance, including tire change, battery jump, lockout service, towing, and more. Contact Lewis Meineke, located on Route 1, or call 827-2054. When do you think of a plumber? Like most people, even if it's an emergency, you can be confident about who will arrive to help you. For quality and reliability, count on someone you can trust. Call on the plumbing services of Hague Quality Water of Maryland. Plumbing doesn't have to be an emergency. We handle all kinds of preventative maintenance, too. Hague Quality Water of Maryland is family-owned here in Annapolis since 1993. For a refreshing choice, call us at 888-84-WATER or visit us online. COPD, chronic obstructive pulmonary disease, is a lung disease that robs people of their ability to breathe. 
As many as 24 million Americans suffer from COPD, also known as chronic bronchitis or emphysema, and half of them don't know they have the disease. If you or someone you love is over 35 and has smoked more than 100 cigarettes in their lifetime, visit driveforcopd.org and take the screener, then take that to your doctor. I'm Jeff Stoltz, and I drive for COPD. Hi, I'm Harrison Burton, driver of the number 12 Toyota Camry, and you're listening to Motorsports Madness on PMN, the Performance Motorsports Network. In the category of drivers who quietly had a good day during the truck race Saturday at Martinsville, which we'll get to in a few minutes, Harrison Burton bringing us out of break. You're listening to Motorsports Madness, Jacob Seelman, Tom Baker, Cisco Scaramuza on the Performance Motorsports Network talking racing, and we're going to continue talking the cup race right now. I feel like we could take about the entire two hours on the cup race, quite frankly. Yeah, but, you know, I feel like we've spent so much time talking about drivers fighting and bad things for a little bit. I mean, the guy who took home a clock, I feel like, deserves a few minutes of attention because Kyle Busch did actually win the race with a last lap pass. Yeah, I mean... He did. When (laughs) you got so caught up with all of the other things that were going on that you sort of overlooked the fact that you had Kyle Busch take the lead by moving Denny and then almost lose the lead to Martin Truex. I mean, you were still trying to process everything that happened with uh, Denny and Chase. And I think that last bit was just such a blur. You know, Kyle punched his ticket to Homestead. And, you know, when I look at the fact that here's two more races coming up in this round, and regardless of how it happened, you had Kyle and Truex 1-2. We go to Texas Truex is basically own mile and a half and Kyle certainly has been able to run well at Texas um, and at times at Phoenix. I mean, you know, you could be looking at a long couple of weeks for everybody else because really, even if you look at Jimmy Johnson's situation, he's had good runs at both of those tracks as well, Jacob. But, you know, I don't see the 48 team being able to get a win in these next two races honestly so i i don't know how he makes it to homestead when i mean martin truex could basically start and park for the next two weeks and make it on points yeah so that's amazing you've got but let's stop and consider here leaving martinsville now there are still the possibility of two more winners. But, but, Jimmy Johnson is only three points behind the cut line right now, Cisco. That's what's so amazing about the way all of this shook out at the very end, even despite the fact that Jimmy had a terrible day for Jimmy Johnson at Martinsville because he's a nine-time winner there. He's still in this (laughs) to make it to Homestead, Miami. It's he won't go away. No, he just doesn't go away. And he did it last year, too, Tom. Well, he did. But the the only way that I feel like Jimmy makes it, I mean, you figure that you've already got Martin Truex is in. He's going to Homestead. There's no way Martin Truex does not go to Homestead. I can't figure a, a, a scenario in my head right now where Martin Truex doesn't go to Homestead. So you've got two spots out of the four filled. Kyle Busch and Martin Truex. So I don't know how Jimmy Johnson gets there unless Kyle Busch or Martin Truex win 
um, both races or they're won by non-playoff guys. That's the best Jimmy can hope for is that we get two guys in on points or, you know, some sort of scenario like that because I don't see him winning a race the next two weeks. If he does, I think it would be at Texas would be his better chance. But I would agree. It's, you know, he's got to hope that there that that guys win these races that aren't playoff contenders or maybe or Kyle is or Martin, Martin Truex. Right. Exactly. If Martin Truex wins, it keeps that or Kyle or Kyle. You know, if Truex or Bush win, then it keeps the points deficit to the cut line from expounding very, very quickly. I mean, it's it's going to be very interesting, and it's really, truly going to depend on who wins the next couple of weeks as far as Johnson goes. I want to get back to Kyle Busch because we actually want to hear from Kyle Busch in a minute. Cisco, before we do, you talk about everybody else being mad at everybody else. How Kyle Busch is usually the black hat here, and yet he's the one that wins the race and doesn't really piss anybody off? Well, I mean, I'm still pretty <laughs> sure Joey Logano is not going to be happy with him because there was that whole yeah, tire thing that happened. That. But that got completely buried by everything else. It did. It really did. <laughs> um, well, it didn't if you're Tom, but we'll talk about that in a second here. First, we're going to hear from Kyle Busch after a big win and eh, just a little bit of excitement that he's going to Homestead. It was a, a good day for us. You know, we weren't great, but uh, we just kind of kept ourselves running up front all day long. Awesome pit stops kept us up there as well, too. And being able to uh, have a really good M&M's Toyota today, it was um, – I, I, I thought there when we got the lead that it was going to be our, our day the rest of the way, but uh, it just wasn't meant to be. We just kind of lost the handle on it there right at the end of the stage, two, and just wasn't quite able to get it back. A couple of those other guys really got good going there at the end. Uh, Brad, the 22, uh, the 24, and so it was just – chaos kind of there at the end and just what all was happening with those restarts so you just kind of had to stay on your toes and uh, try to keep your nose clean kind of try to stay out of trouble and fortunately um, you know we were able to keep our our back bumper clean and clear and then um, you know race for the win there on that last restart with the 11 and was able to uh, bring it home so uh, real proud of all of our guys our whole team and um, being able to get ourselves another opportunity to go race for a championship here uh, here this year. Kyle after Watching how relatively calm yesterday's truck race was, and then really the first 300 or so of this race today, is it a good thing for you that you got to the victory but really don't have anybody mad at you leaving here? That's not, not the norm for me or what? Typically, I, I try to race well, try to race clean, try to do a good job to uh, to leave here with, with not too many people mad at me. But, uh, you know, we, we kept our nose clean all day long. It was a great opportunity for us to have a fast race car. We just kind of ran, you know, first, second, third, fourth all day long and um, was going to probably finish fourth, uh, except there was a couple opportunities there at the end where I was able to uh, find a hole and, I, and the 22 kind of closed it. They were getting into turn one and a lot of things started happening there. But then, um, you know, the 24... Uh, and the 11 getting into it with one another. The, the C's just kind of kept parting for us and kept opening up for us to be able to get up closer to the front, and um, you know we, we were able to take advantage of that today. So um, just really anxious, uh, I guess, to, to race for a championship again and uh, excited about that and being able to go to Homestead now and not necessarily have to fret over the next two weeks. And um, you know we'll focus on, on the next two weeks and being able to go race for wins still in order to kind of keep everybody on their toes and everybody worried about whether or not they'll get through on points or not. But uh, we'll we'll see what happens. We will see what happens. And I I think 
at the end of the day, I mean, you you had to be there and see Kyle's face to understand that he did kind of sort of half smile, chuckle at me when I when I mentioned that he got away without uh, making anybody upset. It's just like he said, it's just Martinsville. Well, that's what Martinsville is. Yes, I mean. You know, if you're in the media center at Martinsville, what do you see on the wall? The pictures of cars crashing into it. And, of course, that last minute, uh, last lap deal with Richie Evans and Jeb Bodine and the modified years ago when they both crashed and flipped upside down across the line. I mean, you know, this is what Martinsville is, and this is what NASCAR was built on. This, this This was the type of day that NASCAR needs if they're going to pull people back to being interested in the sport these mile and a half tracks and and whatever they don't produce great racing and and a lot of action like that you know we're going from here to texas and with all due respect eddie gossage and the folks you know i don't I, i have a hard time remembering a texas race that was nearly this entertaining uh and drama filled. I mean, you're going to have a lot of storylines to follow going into Texas this weekend, of course, but it's still Texas. It's still a mile and a half and Mm -hmm. it just doesn't, those tracks don't produce the same type of close, you know, competitive racing and uh, where these things happen like Martinsville. I mean, there's, there's just nothing like Martinsville and it all, it was really the lights just sort of capped off the scene. I thought, um, the way that that all ended up, you couldn't have asked for uh, a more storied Martinsville ending than that. And, you know, if there were a few tempers flaring, well, that's okay too, because that's what NASCAR fans want. Really quickly, before we go to break, Joey Logano's decision to stay out, or Todd Gordon's, depending on who you want to believe made the call or didn't make the call or what have you, I disagree with it for a lot of reasons, partially because his teammate was leading, partially because, as Kyle Busch said, you could smell the tire was never going to make it all the way to the end. I mean... Yeah, Joey, I don't I don't blame Joey. I, you know, it's the crew's decision, but you know what? It's also NASCAR's decision. NASCAR has a black flag. NASCAR didn't see fit to use it. And, we, you know, if we get a caution before Joey becomes the caution... We aren't talking about this at that point. So the field was spread out enough. We weren't going to get a well, caution. That's I mean, the thing. Joey, look, I get it, but I, I, I see both sides of that. It was just a gamble that they took, and unfortunately they lost, and Kyle Busch can thank himself for his win because it was him running into Joey and making that tire go bad, uh, tire rubbing and go flat that caused that yeah. whole scenario. All I've got to say is I would not have wanted to be a fly on the wall in the Team Penske meeting no, this morning. No, it definitely wasn't because he cost decision. he cost Brad a win and almost took out Ryan Blaney yeah. in the process. Yep. Just saying. We're going to go to break. When we come back, we'll talk trucks because some kid from Las Vegas won a race. Noah Gragson gets the monkey off his back. You'll hear from him and more after this on PMN, the Performance Motorsports Network. Okay, so Sarah, I'm dropping you off at Emily's? Yep. And Josh, you're going to? Soccer, Dad. Soccer practice. Right. Oh, by the way, I just wanted to let you know when I pick you both up, I'll be wearing my short shorts. What? No! Yep. 
and my dorky dad hat, and I'm going to do my dad dance for all your friends. They'll love it. Seriously? Why? Because I like my short shorts. Of course, I could be talked out of it if you guys would just buckle up your seatbelts without giving me a hard time. It's important to get your kids to buckle up for safety, no matter what it takes. And sometimes, all it takes is your parental powers of persuasion. Okay, okay, we're buckling up. See, all buckled. Good choice. I'll just have to do my dad dance at dinner time. What, what? No! Do what you have to to make sure your kids are wearing their seatbelts, even on short drives. Never give up until they buckle up. A message from the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Visit safercar.gov slash kidsbuckleup for more information. Parents, your son or daughter has had their license for a while now, but you want to make sure they're prepared for any situation they may face on the road. High school driver's ed doesn't teach them to drive defensively. They need to be prepared for any highway emergency. For less than a month's insurance, and a whole lot less, BSR instructors at Summit Point Motorsports Park in nearby Summit Point, West Virginia, will teach your son or daughter how to respond instantly and positively to unexpected situations on the road. BSR's specialized accident avoidance training teaches swerve to avoid maneuvers at highway speed, ocular driving, which focuses driving attention on ways to avoid accidents, vehicle dynamics and feedback, skid control, and skid recovery, threshold braking on straights and progressive braking on curves, and off-road recovery techniques. This is stuff driver's ed simply doesn't teach. So call BSR today, 304-725-8444. Give your kid the skill set needed to drive safely and responsibly on the highway. That's 304-725-8444. This is a test to find out if you know it all when it comes to children. Name one of the leading killers of U.S. children age 1 to 13. What's the best way to protect children in a car crash? At what age and size should a child start using a booster seat? Don't assume you know it all when it comes to car seats for your child. Go to safercar.gov slash the right seat and know for sure. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Hi, I'm NASCAR driver William Byron. You're listening to Motorsports Madness on PMN, the Performance Motorsports Network. Slick Willie. Bringing us back from break. That's a different. That's a different bill. Eh, well, I tried. Anyway, Jacob Seelman, Tom Baker, Cisco Scaramuza, with you talking racing here on the Performance Motorsports Network. And like I said before the break, we're going to talk trucks. And Tom, if I would have asked you to give me the percent chance that the outside lane at Martinsville would work on the final restart of the truck race, your answer would have been? Well, I don't know what I would have said because it just seems like this year, just when you think you know a racetrack, you really don't. So I really, I, I would have probably said that I don't think that's happened in recent memory, but it hasn't. You know what? <laughs> Sometimes it's simply sheer will. And I think Noah Gregson was just determined that he was going to win that race no matter what it took. And when he started on the top, he just kept his foot in it until he got the lead, cleared, and drove off. I mean, he had a fast truck, and, you know, this was a, a big, big moment for 
Noah because oh, everybody knew who he was. I mean, the fans know who he is, mm. but I don't think anybody really realized what he could do. I think he basically said, hi, I'm here, and oh, by the way, next year they're going to be talking about me for the Truck Series Championship as a contender instead of being a rookie. He took his rookie stripe off over the weekend at Martinsville for sure. That was a really big win and a big way to do it. Yes, Cisco, before we hear from the happy winner, how big was it in your eyes to see not just Noah Gregson win, but the continued youth movement show it to these veterans and say, we're not going away. Yeah, and I'm just getting shades that I have this small feeling in the back of my mind that I think Noah Gregson is going to be looking at some very big things, some very Chris Bell-like things come next year. At least that's what he's trying to show us right now that he's capable of doing. I believe so. It was a moment that not only will he never forget, but none of us are going to let him forget it for a while either because, well, (laughs) the Victory Lane interview was just priceless. Don't take my word for it. Hear it yourself. The young rookie from Las Vegas getting out of the truck. He's going to celebrate this one big time. This is after he already climbed the fence. Oh, what a mess down here in Victory Lane. A long time coming for this young man. A lot of close calls. No, Gregson, you told me before the race you were comfortable on the outside. Did you know you could get past Matt Crafton on that final restart? Oh, and it's really tough. Racing against these veterans, uh, those last, like, 40 laps with Johnny Slaughter beating off my back bumper, he did that earlier to us in the spring, and I wasn't going to let him pass me again like that. So I got that caution there at the end, and you can't pass on the outside of Martinsville. And I did it. How did you do it? How are you good on the outside like that? Just all the hard work. I've had the monkey on my back this whole year. I've been asked pretty much every day, when are you going to get that win? When are we going to put up a a banner at Kyle Busch Motorsports? And just thankful for everyone, Dustin Ash, Jefferson Pitts Racing, Jim O'Hanley, everyone who's brought me up through the ranks. Racing, I'm so very thankful. Thank you to Switch, Mobile Strike, TRD, Kyle, Samantha Bush, Everyone at NASCAR, Texas Roadhouse. I had my right helmet on today. I was super comfy. And, uh, and man, I'm blown away. We're going to get a banner up at KBM. We're taking home the Granddaddy Watch or whatever they call it. My crew chief, he likes to call it the Granddaddy Watch or Granddaddy Clock. So we're taking it home. Thank you, Marcus Richmond. Thank you to all these guys out behind me. Congratulations on victory number one. Noah Gregson is a winner in the Camping World Truck Series. I don't think he's putting that clock on his wrist. <laughs> And even Alan Kavana was like, what? (laughs) (laughs) You know, that moment when your race winner doesn't realize what the biggest trophy, perhaps, in NASCAR racing from the standpoint of sheer size and girth actually is. He thought he was getting a watch. Cisco, and you'll see it on the Race Chaser Online Facebook page tomorrow. I got a picture with Noah in the media center after the race where he's kind of looking at the clock, and he says to all of us, I don't know how many kids my age know how to tell time on one of these things. Now you're making me feel old. 
which is kind of scary considering I'm still in college. But nonetheless, yeah, this is this is the world we live in now. So it's but I mean, like Tom said, this is outside of maybe the outside of maybe the trophy for the Daytona 500. I and I can think of few else that match even just the prominence that that trophy is because of how important it is, not only because of how big it is, but just how long of a tradition this has gone at this point. Well, yeah, it's, it, I guess what I was trying to say is the maybe the most iconic. I mean, yeah, obviously the Daytona 500 is the sports Super Bowl, but everybody wants a grandfather clock. Yeah. <laughs> and so, yeah. you know, that was just, that was fun to to see. And again, Noah probably gained a lot of fans on Saturday. And, and I also think um, that he probably will look at this when he looks back and almost wonder how he did it because yeah. there just isn't a lot of game film that shows you how to come off the top at Martinsville on a late race restart and outpower Matt Crafton to who, win the race. Who's won there twice yeah. before, oh, I by mean, the way, and was slightly a lot sour that he didn't win yeah. this race. So I think we got uh, y- yeah, some proof. Yeah, we got some proof. I was I was brave enough to ask Matt a question and I kind of sort of got barked at, but I guess maybe we should have expected that. Yeah, Matt Crafton, ladies and gentlemen. Just sucks. Just sucks. Uh, I gave two races away and within 10 to go here, leading a couple years ago, and still pisses me off, and this one's going to piss me off for a while as well. We had a good truck. I mean, just the bottom. It was crazy to say. It would rubber up the longer we would go, and when we fired off i I was tell junior said i mean i think i'm crazy but i thought the top was going to be the place to go on the restart just because there was no rubber up there where the right side tires were and uh, i knew we were going to have our hands full and we just got tighter and tighter on that longer run and he had a perfect restart right there and i sucked matt obviously not the win but with a non-playoff driver winning it does keep an open up rather another point spot Going to Homestead, you and Johnny got a lot of stage points. Does it at least give you optimism that you guys are in a good position for the next two weeks? At this point, I really don't care, to be honest. After this race, it just sucks that you finish second and don't worry about stage points. Just know that I lost the race and it's a lot of salt in the wound. Well, I, I think your question was longer than his answer. It um, was, actually. I timed it. And, and, you know, he and Johnny, between the two of them, were were absolutely sour grapes. It was like the Grinch after yeah. the Who's it, took Christmas back. Neither one of them dropped the mic, but other than that, yeah, uh, it was kind of Kyle Busch-esque at Charlotte. Uh, you know, I, I don't really know why. I mean, I understand they were probably frustrated, but, you know, you kind of get to a point where you look at that and you say, okay, are these two just getting worn out? Are they getting tired of of this? I mean, you know, you get to a certain age, I think, where it, it unless you're winning, you know, it, it just becomes harder and harder to sort yeah. of motivate yourself to go forward. So, um I don't know. I mean, it was it was disappointing to to hear the two of them. Johnny generally is pretty funny and and pretty witty, but 
you know, he and Matt both uh, in the audio that I heard just definitely not uh, not very exciting and, and just not very happy. But, you know, unfortunately, the truck series is becoming a young man's game now. And although Johnny and Matt certainly can both get it done, I mean, you can't blame Matt, I guess, on one hand, Jacob, because it's been a very frustrating season for him. Other than Eldora. Yeah. But you know what? You you got to keep yourself positive you got yeah you know you, you still got races to run and matt's capable of winning at any moment so. yes he is and he's also in a very good points position like i referenced on saturday to still yeah, really make is. homestead miami so you know you just gotta keep that focus dig down a little bit deeper and see what happens over the next couple of weeks we go texas and phoenix for the final two races of the penultimate round of the playoffs for all three divisions before we finish it off at Homestead, Miami. We're going to step away right now. When we come back, Steve Ovens, we go dirt tracking here on Motorsports Madness, the second half after this on the Performance Motorsports Network. When do you think of a plumber? Like most people, even if it's an emergency, you can be confident about who will arrive to help you. For quality and reliability, count on someone you can trust. Call on the plumbing services of Hague Quality Water of Maryland. Plumbing doesn't have to be an emergency. We handle all kinds of preventative maintenance, too. Hague Quality Water of Maryland is family-owned here in Annapolis since 1993. For a refreshing choice, call us at 888-84-WATER or visit us online. Here at Lewis Meineke, we're more than just your average car care center. Hey, it's Dave, your neighbor from Lewis Meineke. Whether you need an oil change, brakes, tires, or anything under the hood, we've got you covered. Take advantage of our free check engine light service as well. Yes, free. And don't forget about our free shuttle service. Never stress, we'll take care of the rest. On with life. Give us a call at Lewis Meineke, 302-827-2054. Every 30 minutes, another innocent person is killed due to a drunk driver. My best friend. My brother. My poor My sister. My father. My husband. My mom. <laughs> My mommy. Stop these tragedies before they happen. Don't drink and drive. Do you love the sound of high-revving motors and the smell of burning rubber? Do you want to get your car sideways right at the ragged edge of control? If you've always wanted to try drifting or learn to improve your drifting skills, Summit Point Motorsports Park, the Mid-Atlantic's premier motorsports facility, has the expert instructors and the specialized track to teach you how to drift and the skills necessary to drift competitively. From skid pad to open sessions, Summit Point Motorsports Park has the safe and open environment that allows drifters of all skill levels new to intermediate to get sideways and smoking. With a focus on safety and the skill set necessary to drift competitively, Summit Point Motorsports Park's Drift Nirvana is just the thing for you. Call for your reservation today, 304-725-8444. Or for more information, go online, summitpoint-raceway.com, or you can email them at office at bsrinc.com. Drift Nirvana, getting you sideways the right way. If you own a gun, you have a full-time responsibility. When you aren't using it, be sure it can't get into the hands of curious children, troubled teenagers, a thief, or anyone else who might misuse it. Your family, friends, and neighbors are all counting on you. Remember, always 
lock it up. For more information on firearm storage safety, visit ncpc.org. This message brought to you by the National Crime Prevention Council, the Bureau of Justice Assistance, and the Ad Council. Hide the kids. It's time to get dirty with the Race Chaser Online crew. Here's your host, Jacob Seelman, with Turn 5 Live's curator of Casa de Porkchop, Stephen Evans. Welcome back to Motorsports Madness. It is hour number two here on the Performance Motorsports Network. If you are just joining us, yes, we had most of our first hour talking about fights and feuds and tempers and banged sheet metal and hurt feelings at Martinsville, and we're going to get back to that later in this second hour. But right now, we are going to talk dirt with our own Dr. Dirt, Steve Ovens, joining us now on the program, and Steve-O. Before we get to what's coming ahead this weekend, a few things. However, the first thing ties in with fights and feuds and bent sheet metal and hurt tempers. So, the dirt track at Charlotte. Kyle Strickler versus David Stremme. And action! Yeah, I I think he just meant to rattle his cage, guys. I think that's <laughs> Well, you know, I don't know that, I mean, I saw the video. I don't know that I see anything other than two guys racing really hard and ending up in a crash. I mean, I, I don't think, I don't think Stremmy took him out. I don't think Strickler did anything he shouldn't have done. I just think it was too Well, until Strickler started well, wailing yeah, on him. <laughs> well, of course, after he got out of the car. I don't, I mean, again, it this, this was... You know, classic, and and I liked how Stremmy handled it. He did, he basically just sort of pushed him away or kind of shooed him away, and then you know he just sat there calmly and took his helmet off, and you know just sort of stayed in the car. Again, probably the best way to to sort of quell what could have been a bad situation. You know, that was some of the best racing you'll ever see. Yeah. between those three uh, with Terry Cook in the middle of that as well. But then, you know, Cook kind of pulled out for, pulled out to a lead for a bit and Stremme and Strickler got together. I, I don't see, Steve, where this was anything in terms of what happened on the track. I don't see where this was anything intentional on anybody's part. It was just a race and accident. Um, you know, it was kind of what happened after that uh, is the reason why we're even talking about this. Well, I, you know, I think that it was good hard racing to a point. Um, but the thing I think you have to keep in mind is that there is a storied rivalry between these two. Oh, yeah. And, you know, these two do have history. And, you know, I, to me, I, I don't I don't know where things went wrong in this whole ordeal because you had Strickler make the pass and and. I mean, it was it was a pretty aggressive slide job. I mean, it, to, to, if you look, if you go back and look through some of the videos that have surfaced in the last couple of days, I mean, he almost th- we're almost not even talking about this because Strickler darn near took out a uke tire in the infield, even trying to make this move. So it was a pretty aggressive move, but again, good hard racing. Um, you know, Stremmy tries to to cut underneath and and do the crossover. And and that's where it gets fuzzy for me. You know, I, I don't know. You know, was was they, did they just run out of racing room? Did, was Stremmy trying to not give even a half an inch? I, you know, I don't know. 
Only those two guys really know. Um, but, you know, it is unfortunate to an extent that, you know, incidents like this, to your point, Tom, overshadows the, the action on the track because it, not just in this division, the, the, the action on the track was fantastic all weekend long. And, and I think there's a lot of credit that goes to out to all of the folks that were involved in promoting the event, uh, pre- prepping the track surface. And also being agile in their scheduling when the threat of weather uh, was going to become an issue on Saturday. So, you know, I think all around it was even better than last year uh, when when you take into account the racing on the track as well as, you know, the level of competition. The, the car count was absolutely phenomenal. And I think there was even more cars from up in my area here in the Northeast. I think there was more cars up here that made the trip down than even last year. And and last year there was a lot of buzz about that being the first event of, of this kind. So it, it was, uh, you know, really a great event. But, you know, I, 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 I don't tend to like it when, when incidents like that overshadow the product on the track because at the end of the day, that's what really matters. I will agree with that, Steve, and to your point about cars from up there making the trek down to Charlotte, how about Dave Marcaccilli, uh coming away with a big uh, victory? <laughs> Hello. There's, there's, a, there's a guy right there that is, is you know, uh, pretty sad that the season has come to an end. Um, there's a guy that's looking for any and every race that he can find uh, that's left up here in the Northeast in the fall because that team has just been dynamite this fall. They they have, you know, pretty much won everything except for Outlaw Weekend at Fulton. I mean, if it was a fall special, they were winning it. And and the, the thing that impresses me about this team is they're just as good on American racers when they go to American racer shows as they are on the Hoosiers. And I think they're a lot better on the Hoosiers but that just goes to show you the, the level of that team. Dave Marcacelli, his brother Mike, and, and if you've never met these guys, you could walk up to one and think that you're talking to the other. Yeah. Uh, you know, <laughs> I've made that mistake several times covering races up here in the Northeast. But um, just, a, just a great weekend for those guys. Uh, one of the just great racing families up here in the Northeast. They work very hard. And they do, they do the most with the resources they have to work with, Jacob. Amen. We're not talking about a stacker trailer team at all here. We're talking about a team that gets the most out of everything they have. Yes, they do. And with that, we'll transition to a little bit of breaking news. Uh, fresh off the newswire, as in just before we went on air tonight, fresh off the newswire, Steve-O. Th- remember when we were... Wondering a couple weeks ago, hey, is Joey Saldana going to have a ride next year anywhere? Yes. Sir says yes. (laughs) That's my line. But indeed, he will have a ride next year with the Washington State-based 26 team that will field a second car for him as well as Taylor Malsum next year. I mean, this is just an interesting match for me, Steve, and 
I feel like we've done that a lot with Joey lately. Uh, he kind of ends up wherever anybody will take him, but this is a good team. Rudine Racing is no slouches. Taylor Malsom, former Truck Series driver, had some good runs, and they've had good runs with good drivers in the past. I think this is going to be a really, really, really big deal next year, and I think you're going to see Joey Saldana hopefully get back to his winning ways. Yes, and, and you know, I, I kind of like this pairing for a couple of reasons. Number one, this is not the first time that they've had conversations about working together. You know, they had talked last about working together 12 years ago in 05, and, you know, the timing just wasn't right for that to happen. But here's, I mean, it almost to me, Jacob, and, and you know, I, I'm interested in your take here. It This feels to me very much like a Kerry Madsen kind of deal. It's 60 races. They can pick what races they want to go to. It sounds like they're going to start 2018 with the World of Outlaws West Coast Swing. Mm-hmm. But But running 60 races a year... I just, for a guy that we were concerned about not having a ride, now he's got a quality ride. They can pick what 60 races they want to run, and every time they show up, I mean, they are going to be stout. I mean, you know, we're talking fresh equipment. We're we're not talking about being on the road every weekend of the year and, you know, uh, having to go through parts and pieces left and right and, and maybe not have your best piece every single night. Um, it is kind of interesting, though, that Joey Saldana ends up with a Washington State-based team. Um, but again, a 60-race schedule? I, you know, when we're talking about veteran drivers that, you know, maybe, you know, eh, Either they're on the back end of their career or maybe the funding, they just can't get funding with a team to go out on the road full time. Jacob, I wonder if this is a if this is kind of what we're going to see in the future with some pretty big names in the sport. You think, you know, we're, we're sitting pretty good with the world of outlaws right now as far as teams that follow the tour. But, you know, if we end up in a little bit of a lull again, this might be the model that you see going forward with with teams and some bigger name drivers. Wow. I'm interested on that take, honestly, Tom. I mean, Tom, I'm not trying to push the big red button here. I don't think <laughs> we're there. But, you, but what I'm, you like what your I'm big say- red button. But what I'm saying is, is, you know, and we're going to there's there's a story in the next segment we'll talk about Jacob about a big sponsor that transferred essentially from a pretty major team to another major team that is putting the numbers up on the board and it just makes you wonder you know is is sponsorship become so so hard to find and so hard to keep yeah if you're not putting those numbers up you know, it just you look at a guy like Joey, and and we've been saying this for weeks, Jacob. Yeah, where's he gonna end up? Is he gonna end up somewhere? Speaking of where is he gonna end up, uh, things that may come out of this upcoming weekend's World Finals at Charlotte. Uh, supposedly, Jonathan Davenport is going to be announcing a big new ride this weekend. Uh, and we have been asking where's he gonna end up because he's been ride hopping <laughs> so many times. <laughs> 
over the past year or so. I'm going to be intrigued to see how that situation comes down. But we can talk about that here in a few minutes. Right now, we are going to duck away for a moment. More with Steve Ovens when we come back. You are listening to Motorsports Madness right here on the Performance Motorsports Network, the voice of motorsports. You own a performance car and you know how to drive, but you want to learn real performance driving. Well, Bunky, get that car off the street and onto the track. Summit Point Motorsports Park, the Mid-Atlantic's premier road racing facility, located just over an hour from D.C. in nearby Summit Point, West Virginia, is the place to go. And you'll find that Friday at the track is going to give you what you need. For less than a monthly car payment, you can attend this regularly scheduled one-day instructional event in your street car on one of Summit Point's three world-class road racing circuits. You'll receive classroom instruction, skid pad instruction in their cars, including front and rear skid control, and four 20-minute in-your-car instructional sessions from a professional instructor. Have fun, go fast, and really learn how to drive. Call 304-725-8444 for class schedules and details. That's 304-725-8444, Friday at the track at Summit Point Motorsports Park. Every 30 minutes, another innocent person is killed due to a drunk driver. My best friend. My brother. My poor grandchild. My sister. My father. My husband. My mom. <laughs> My mommy. Stop these tragedies before they happen. Don't drink and drive. The Performance Motorsports Network is a compilation of shows about motorsports. From technical to controversial to just fun, everything you like about racing and gearhead stuff is right here on one internet channel. The Performance Motorsports Network. Tell your friends about it. Hi, I'm Reed Sorensen. Racing has been a part of me and my family for as long as I can remember. I had to make tough choices early on to get to the top. It took hard work and dedication. But it's those tough choices that helped me prepare for challenges I would face as a cup driver. Make the right choices today and be ready for the challenges tomorrow. This message is brought to you by the U.S. Air Force. Hi, I'm Tyler Dipple, and you're listening to the Performance Motorsports Network. Now back to the show. Steve, party time and, ty- and Tyler Dipple. I'm not sure how that goes together, but considering wow. you're the one that made that work, I got to give you props. Oh, man. It's just good stuff. Good stuff. <laughs> you know, sometimes it's just a magic heaven. Excuse me. That's... Uh... That was that's uh yeah that was very interesting. It's almost like uh, we get a dimple dance or something out of that. <laughs> anyway, welcome back to the madness here on PMN. Jacob Seelman, Tom Baker, Cisco Scaramuza, and Doctor Dirt Steve Ovens talking racing, and we alluded to it before the break that things were afoot not just in the drivers' side of silly season. Steve-O, but the sponsor side of Silly Season is getting fun. Sage Fruit is jumping ship from KKR, or Casey Kane Racing, for those who may have been confused by acronyms, and joining Tony Stewart Racing. 
for 2018. <laughs> In that moment when I feel like the old phrase, and the rich get richer, comes into play. Well, yes, you could say that. But, you know, to me, this I think the bigger story here is the fact that, you know, this is not a team losing a sponsor and the sponsor is exiting the sport. This is a sponsor that, you know, by making this move, they've basically said, look, we're going where the numbers are, Um, you know. We don't feel that your team has provided us the numbers that, you know, would make an impact on our business, you know, to move the needle, so to speak. And, you know, we're going to go to a team that's won uh, how many championships in a row, except for the one that you guys won for us a few years back. Yeah, really. But let's face it. It's been a while. <laughs> it's been a little bit. It has been uh, a little bit, but. It's amazing, I think, Tom, when you look at it and go, this is a partnership that sees them with a team that is second and fourth in Outlaws points, but they don't care. They want to be first. <laughs> That's yeah, kind of the feeling I, mean, I got from this, honestly. Well, Steve Steve is right, though, um, in a way, because, boy, so much of sponsorship anymore is about numbers and it's about the ability to generate numbers and you know this one to me is a little bit of a shocker in the sense that you know Casey Kane and KKR are certainly a mainstay on the circuit and it isn't like but you know what it's just been a bad year for Darren Pittman and you got Donnie Schatz over there winning bunches of races again Mm -hmm. and you know TSR and we don't know what all is behind the scenes with this. It sort of reminds me a little bit of the whole situation with Smithfield meets and Petty, which sort of seems to have resolved itself in a very odd sort of way. Yeah. Um, We'll get to that later. You know, I, I, I don't know what to make of this, except that it's disappointing to see how KKR is, is falling. I mean, you know, they, they work so hard and they try so hard and it Mm -hmm. isn't lack of effort, but you know, to see a sponsor kind of go pile on over at Tony Stewart racing, you know, that's a tough deal. Yeah. It's interesting. I think to say the very least, Steve, but what it does do is certainly keeps us talking going into the final race weekend of the season for the Big Three Series, because, as is tradition, we close out the World of Outlaws Sprint Car, Late Model, and Super Dirt Car Big Block Modified Series all this weekend at the Dirt Track at Charlotte for the Textron Off-Road World Finals. And if you're curious what Textron is, it used to be Bad Boy Off-Road and Bad Boy Buggies. It's just undergone a couple of name changes through the last couple years, Two championships are decided, Steve, for all intents and purposes. One championship is not, but I think what we can all say is this weekend is unlike any other. It is. And, you know, this is the week that, you know, you know what's funny? We were talking about guys from the Northeast traveling down for the for the Wonder World Championships, and, 
you know, what's interesting to me is there's some guys that race locally up here that didn't travel down for the for the world championships, but they will travel down this week to go see the world finals because it is a huge event. It is it is such an appropriate way to mm-hmm. close out the season. I love that all three divisions are are on the big stage together yes. at the same time. Um, and in for folks that are listening, and I imagine if you're listening to this program that you've seen or heard about the World Finals, but if you haven't, let me tell you, the one night, the, the one thing that you want to make sure you're there for is the four wide of all three divisions on that racetrack all together. Oh, yes. It is something that you will not see at any other track. That's guaranteed. And the firebombs. I mean, well, how yeah. can you not I love mean, the firebombs? Yeah, that that is truly one of the greatest sights in all of motorsports, and short track-wise and nationally. I think the it's kind of unfortunate that here in the area you have two major races going on at the same time, one on asphalt with the North-South shootout at Concord and one on the dirt with the World Finals. But the good um, news is this year, Tom, that they've moved up the start of the North-South shootout features on Saturday to where, <laughs> if you're crazy like me or just love racing that much, you can probably leave after the modified feature and still make it to Charlotte before the program starts on Saturday night. Yeah, um, that is very possible, and it was good that they did that. Um, so it, it really... I, I think it, this is one of the greatest weekends to be a racing fan in this area. Um, if you can get to either race, go. And if you can do both, do that too. Um, but yeah, the, definitely the world final. I mean, you know, on Saturday, especially the last night is always sort of climactic. And, you know, you've got so much to pay attention to in all three of these divisions right now that, uh, I mean, it's just going to be a fun weekend for for everybody to go watch it's going to be a ton of fun now we're unless somebody locks him in a closet steve going to see donnie shots collect his ninth world of outlaws sprint car championship we're going to see brandon shepherd clinch his first world of outlaws late model series championship and the second consecutive for the rocket one However, <laughs> the quandary to end all quandaries is going to be in the Super Dirt Car Big Block Modified title race. We don't yeah. know anything. No. And, you know, I, I selfishly, I love that the Big Block series is yet to be decided because while fans traveling to Charlotte pretty well know who the late model and sprint car champion is going to be, they are going to be treated to a fantastic show this weekend to see who is going to pick up the Super Dirt Car Series championship. And, you know, it's so easy to 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 just lay out a pick of Matt Shepard based on the, the run he went on this summer to, to claw his way back into contention and then eventually take the points lead back with a thriller at Oswego. But... You know, while it's easy to do that, I I just would caution those that want to count out Billy Decker and this Mike Payne racing team because I will tell you, those guys are coming loaded for bear this weekend. Mm-hmm. 
it, it is a tall task, but it's not impossible. It's not impossible by far because if if somebody, you know, let's say they go out and qualifying and somebody doesn't have a good run in qualifying, that could really set up a tall hill to climb mm-hmm. come the heat races and the features. So, you know, there will be a huge, huge focus on qualifying and the heat races this week. And I, I'll be honest with you, Jacob, you know, the, obviously the features, you want to see those too, but the qualifying and time trials and the heat races, that is going to be appointment uh, <laughs> internet television this week uh, if you yes. can't be there in person. Because I'm telling you, this, what we end up writing the story as this weekend could could almost almost singularly rely on how those turn out uh, coming up on Thursday. Yeah, I mean, it's going to revolve, I think, in large part around qualifying. And, oh, by the way, we do remember that this is the weekend that Matt Shepard swept last year, yes? Absolutely, and and he is... He's he's got to be the favorite. I'm I'm not going to take that away. Um, I just I think that sometimes that obvious pick that that pick that it's just you you think is a lock. Uh, you know when you've got a team like Billy Decker and Mike Payne's team, I just I, I would caution fans to to don't don't count them out. Uh, there's a lot of racing to happen this weekend. It's going to be it's going to be awesome. But, you know, on the other side of that, Jacob, if Shepard is able to pull this off, this is going to be the single best comeback in Super Dirt Car Series history. Um, He has had a record setting season. He's already reached 40 wins across the several different rides that he has up Mm -hmm. here and series that he races on Um, it, it just when you think. Matt Shepard can't do something that he's already, you know, that he hasn't done already. Yeah, he surprises you. He's on tap to do it this weekend. Now, Tom, I know we're talking about Matt Shepard being the favorite, but let's remember that last year was the first time Matt's cracked the code. Charlotte had not been one of his good tracks until he walked in and swept the weekend last year. He had struggled there for a very long time, and it actually, if you want to look back in the history books, was probably the house of Tim McCready and Brett Hearn for the longest time, who combined for, I think, seven of the first ten wins between the two of them. So, yes, Shepard's the favorite, but this is far from certain. Well, well, yeah, I would agree with both of those. I I think Shepard would be the favorite, but... You know, again, you've got so many competitive cars, and this track tends to produce some real interesting racing, especially, it seems like, on Saturday. Um, I think you look at a guy like Max McLaughlin, and you have to say that, you know, that's a driver right there who could run very, very well this weekend and maybe win one or both. you got Friesen. You know, you've got Shepard. You, you've you've got so many. Contenders. I don't think you will have Friesen though, because he's got to be at Texas oh, that's Friday right. night. Yeah, so he, he probably won't race. Yeah, I. Yeah. 
That would be, well, I may, maybe Saturday. Maybe Saturday. I would have to, I might see if we can't reach out to him on Twitter this week, Steve. But, yeah, I mean, Stuart Friesen's been good at Charlotte for that. a long time. But, yeah, we, we know for sure Friday night they're going to be at Texas. Yeah. Yeah, a, a couple of quick thoughts to what you guys were saying there. Um, you know, how appropriate would it be for Max McLaughlin to finally please? pull through and get yeah, a Super please? Dirt Car Series win in Charlotte? He, he was the youngest pole the, sitter ever there, by the way. They would tear the place down <laughs> yeah. if he ended up doing that yeah, this weekend. And, and, and another guy that you guys mentioned he, who has 35,000 reasons to be picked this weekend, I'm taking BH20, Brett Hearn, this Brett weekend the Jet, Charlotte. Yeah, yeah, he's definitely having a, a great season, and especially here lately. He is. Steve, always fun. I can't wait to break down the World Finals post-race next Monday night here on The Madness. Until then, take it easy, and I know, uh, just like I will be from the track, you'll be paying very close attention from your couch this weekend. Well, no doubt about it. Um, we'll we'll uh, we'll be watching from afar, and we'll be racing ourselves this weekend. So we're uh, we're going to be keeping in tune with it. And uh, you know, as much as we watch the racing this weekend, guys, keep your ears and and eyes peeled because Charlotte has become silly season central for the for the dirt track world. So a lot of announcements coming this week. Yes, lots of fun announcements. We're going to step aside on the other side. Open wheel and straight liners. We talk Formula One, we talk Lewis Hamilton, and we talk the Exterminator winning a drag race after this. You're listening to Motorsports Madness here on PMN, the Performance Motorsports Network. Parents, your son or daughter has had their license for a while now, but you want to make sure they're prepared for any situation they may face on the road. High school driver's ed doesn't teach them to drive defensively. They need to be prepared for any highway emergency. For less than a month's insurance, and a whole lot less, BSR instructors at Summit Point Motorsports Park in nearby Summit Point, West Virginia, will teach your son or daughter how to respond instantly and positively to unexpected situations on the road. BSR's specialized accident avoidance training teaches swerve to avoid maneuvers at highway speed. Ocular driving, which focuses driving attention on ways to avoid accidents. Vehicle dynamics and feedback. Skid control and skid recovery. Threshold braking on straights and progressive braking on curves and off-road recovery techniques. This is stuff driver's ed simply doesn't teach. So call BSR today, 304-725-8444. Give your kid the skill set needed to drive safely and responsibly on the highway. That's 304-725-8444. You hear that? That's the sound of America's only sports car. That's right. It's a Corvette. But not just any Corvette. It's your Corvette. It's that who cares if there's traffic part of your day. And this can be you when you come to Cooper Corvettes. With 60 years of Corvettes to choose from, there's always a Corvette in your budget. And they'll service any Corvette you bring in. Cooper Corvettes on Route 1 just north of Quantico and Triangle. Call, click, or visit coopercorvettes.com. HMS Motorsport is the leader in motorsport safety. HMS serves the majority of Monster Energy NASCAR Cup, Xfinity, and Camping World Truck teams, many IndyCar and IMSA WeatherTech teams, as well as countless 
countless SCCA and club level racers and driving enthusiasts throughout North America, featuring world-renowned brands like Stilo Helmets, Shrope Belts, Adidas Suits and Shoes, HJC Helmets, Orca Driver Gear, Lifeline Fire Systems, and even Racecom Radio Kits. HMS representatives are experts in their field and focused on only one thing, making your track driving as safe as possible. With locations in Mooresville, North Carolina and Danvers, Massachusetts, the staff at HMS is always ready to take the time and help you find the right product for your safety needs. Don't settle for second when it comes to motorsport safety. Stop into HMS Motorsport. Visit them on their website at hmsmotorsport.com or send them a message on Facebook and tell them the folks from PMN Radio set ya. Hi, this is John Andrasik of Five for Fighting, here for RAD the entertainment industry's voice for road safety. You know, style is a personal thing, and your lifestyle is your business. But if you take it on the road, it becomes everybody's business. So please, plan ahead, designate before you celebrate. Friends, don't let friends drive drunk. A public service announcement brought to you by RAD, the National Association of Broadcasters, and the Ad Council. I'm an HRA Pro Stock Racer, Tanner Grant. You're listening to the Performance Motorsports Network, the voice of motorsports. Ah, there's some news that we can start this segment off. We'll actually go in reverse order since Tanner Gray brought us back from break. But first, if you're just joining us and wondering, I'm Jacob Seelman. Tom Baker and Cisco Scaramuza are also here at the roundtable. We are talking racing here on the Performance Motorsports Network, and right now... As Tanner mentioned, we're going to talk about the NHRA Pro Stock class because, Tom, this class has been the source of some confusion the last few weeks. First, the NHRA announces that they're going to take the field and cut it in half for nine races next year and make for eight race fields. And then they announce over the weekend that they're not going to cut it in half. They're going to remain at 16 car fields for the entire schedule. And they're going to be looking at other technical changes to help make the class A, better, B, more competitive, and C, more financially sound for the teams for years to come. I mean, (laughs) I don't know. Quite frankly, I don't know why they decided to try and go to eight-car fields in the first place. When that whole announcement came out, I was just like, what are you guys doing here? I'm confused. But, But... They've got to work on this because this class has seen the field shrink the last few years, and we've got to get it back on solid footing because the racing is probably the best in all of drag racing when it comes to the pro stock cars, but you got to have full fields first. Yeah, and I really don't quite know what their thinking was either. Yeah, it, it, I, I, I literally kind of looked at it, looked at it again, and went, uh, I think we're we're just seeing a, a trend in the sport now where in many of the different series, I think we we run into these situations where the sanctioning body makes a change and you kind mm-hmm. of say, well, what are we doing this for? What is the end game? Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. Um, you know, and I agree with you 100%. The racing is fantastic, but we just got to get the counts back up again. Yes, we do now. With that said, over the weekend, we had the second-to-last race of the season in Las Vegas, the NHRA Toyota Nationals, and Cisco, my 
favorite top fuel dragster in the field solely because it has the best nickname ever. The Exterminator and Terry McMillan finally win a drag race. Yeah, and it was a gator followed by some flames, and uh, that's because that's what's painted on the car. Oh, by the way, there are also flames coming out the exhaust pipes because, oh, by the way, it's a top fuel car. But fantastic job for Jerry McMillan. Matt Hagen got it done in the funny cars. Greg Anderson in pro stock. And Andy Kraywick won again in pro stock, which feels like this is the third time in a row where I've said his name for winning the pro stock motorcycle class. Yeah. It's hard to beat. I want to say, and I'm working on corroborating the standings as we speak, but that win may have locked up the Pro Stock Motorcycle Championship for Fast Eddie for the fourth time in his career. And Greg Anderson, Cisco, certainly did himself a lot of good, the wily old veteran, to capturing another Pro Stock title as well this season. In a year when, honestly, I thought it was going to be Jason Line's title. (laughs) Yet here, Greg Anderson says, anybody that forgot about me has another thing coming. Yeah, and Anderson took down Line in the semis. So I feel like that was the turning point, honestly. Yeah, yeah, no, I absolutely agree with you. And he went up against Butner in the last round. And, uh, well, the ETs at the end of the day... Uh, it was a 669 versus a 15.5. So, I mean, that's all you need to know right there. So something happened to the driver of Bo Buntner, but nonetheless, Greg Anderson, thank you very much. Yeah, and just a note, as far as Pro Stock is concerned, Greg Anderson sits two rounds up online going to Pomona. Bo Butner is still in mathematical contention. The big thing here, Tom, was that the K- the Ken Black Racing folks officially eliminated Tanner Gray for mathematical contention. And Greg said before the race, that was their biggest fear. Tanner still being in contention, going to Pomona, was their biggest concern, and now they don't have to worry about that. Yeah, what a tough break for Tanner. I mean, yeah. he's had a, a really strong rookie year, and I, I am anxious to see what he does in years to come because yes, I agree. the NHRA needs young drivers, young competitors like Tanner, and Tanner certainly proved that at a very young age you can make the step up and play with the big boys and and succeed, and that's, uh, boy, what a great story he's been this season. He has been a great story. Eddie Krawick with a 150-point lead going into the final race. Yeah, I know. It feels like it should be a whole lot more. (laughs) It really does. That does not necessarily mean that he has the title locked up because at Pomona, just like in Indianapolis, we race under the points and a half. Yeah. So there's 50% more points. It's now 30 points around instead of 20 and 150 if you win the race. So it's not officially all locked up, but... Boy, it's going to be really, really hard for Ellie Tonglet to try and run past Eddie to win this championship. He would have to be perfect, and basically Eddie would have to fall right at the start for there to even be a prayer. I mean, I I think the biggest thing that I look at this and see was Matt Hagen's fourth win. Honestly, uh, that stood out to me. Besides just Terry McMillan, because Matt's had a bit of a rough season, and Ron Caps has been 
Ron Caps and Robert Height have been so amazing that they've kind of overshadowed everybody else. Oh, by the way, Height is the points leader for the first time in the countdown going to Pomona. I was going to say, I thought I read that earlier. Yes. He, you know, that's what a great time to take over the points lead. I think he's really at a point now where this might be his to lose, although I don't want to say that too loudly because that group has been so back and forth all year long. Caps has had an amazing season. Heights had an amazing season. But, you know, you've seen some races where neither one of them have ended up in the finals. And, it, you know, you just never know anymore. I, I think uh, – I think Pomona is going to be very exciting on a lot of fronts, and that's one of them that I yes. you, you can almost expect the unexpected there. Yes, you can. I mean, heck, we had the run that gave Tony Schumacher the top fuel championship yeah. a while back, so anything yep. really is possible there. Yep. F1 for a couple of minutes because this Cisco was a day. I mean, quite frankly, in Mexico where we expected – well, the expected, and we got anything but. Not only does Tom's favorite young gun, Mad Max Verstappen, win a race, but contact between Sebastian Vettel and Lewis Hamilton on the first lap ultimately means that Sebastian can't win the race he needs, and Lewis Hamilton is now a four-time Formula One world champion. So you're telling me there's controversy with Max Verstappen, Lewis Hamilton, and Sebastian Vettel in 2017? No. What? No, that never happened. I don't know that. I don't know that Max was a part say, of the controversy. I, mean, I think it was no, just Sebastian no. oh, and Lewis. Trust me, social, social media was saying that Max held him up, and that's what caused the contact. So, eh. yes, there are people still putting this on Max. Wow. Eh. Well, I, you know, I mean, I just think, Sometimes I think Max gets blamed for a lot of things. I mean, it's kind of fashionable to put the blame on him. And I'm not saying, I mean, I, I didn't, I, I only saw one video. Maybe there was more than what I saw, but the one that I looked at earlier of that whole incident didn't look like Max did anything he shouldn't have done. I mean, it, it, you know, and I'm not sure you really blame anybody for it. It just happened. But again, who would have thought? You know, you you end up with a situation where, you know, Vettel needed to win the race and he didn't. And, you know, that first lap incident kind of handed the championship to Hamilton, who had just enough race car well, to be able to. it didn't hand it to Hamilton. Lewis had to drive all the way from the back well, of the field to finish ninth. What I mean is it put it put him in a situation where despite the ninth place finish, he was able to yeah. get the championship because Vettel couldn't. Yeah. You know, it just, that was really, uh, that was really a strange, that it was a strange incident, honestly, and I don't, I don't really know if there's anybody to blame specifically. Uh, again, it just kind of looked like a racing deal to me, but, you know, some of those F1 starts are really kind of peculiar, peculiar, and that yeah. was one of them. I do agree with that. Now, really quickly, Cisco, I want to ask you, because this championship not only moves Lewis Hamilton to be the fifth driver in Formula One history to win four titles or more. It also makes him the most decorated British champion in history, surpassing the legendary Jackie Stewart. How big is that? Um, I mean, he said it himself uh, in the article that you put up on a race chaser online today that, you know, it's not the way that he wanted to do it. 
But it's kind of the same reaction that he's having that we've seen out of Jimmy Johnson all these times now where, you know, you don't know what to say. You run out of words after you win so many of these things, and it just becomes this thing that's so much bigger than you are. And I think that's exactly what Lewis is going through right now. He's being put on a pedestal of driving greats that, you know, he can't directly compare himself to because they haven't driven in 30 years. Yeah. So I think for Lewis, it's just this groundbreaking feat that that'll it'll be in the history books for a long time. And the only person he'll be able to compare himself to as far as driving skill goes is going to be Vettel because Prost, Mm. Fangio and Schumacher, as well as Jackie Stewart, they don't drive anymore. Right now, really quickly, Tom. I want to ask you this, because obviously we've seen this level of greatness start to formulate over the past few years. Lewis Hamilton, there's two races to go. He's already won nine times this season. If he wins one more race before the end of the year, he will become the first driver in Formula One history, not even any of the other four-time or more champions can say they've ever done this. But Lewis, if he can win one more race, will have 10 wins or more in four straight seasons. How incredible is that to even think about? Well, I mean, to keep my response short, I think that you can't deny it doesn't matter what the circumstances are or the the, uh, discrepancy between one team and another. All of that goes out the window. You've still got to win those races and race your car and Lewis Hamilton has to be considered one of the greatest F1 racers in history and I don't think there's anything more to say about it than that. All-time polls leader second in all-time wins and if he keeps driving at this clip he will have a shot at Schumacher wins and I think championships before it's all over. We're going to step aside our picks and the lightning round when we come back to Motorsports Madness. You're listening to the Performance Motorsports Network. We're back in a moment. How to be a great dad in 15 seconds. Bike ride, go fish, walk in the park, phone call, milkshake, play catch, picnic, fly a kite, tell jokes, laugh, talk, read a story, tell a story, bumper car, swing set, bowling, pillow fight, cut loose, stay tight. Because the smallest moments can have the biggest impact on a child's life. Take time to be a dad today. Call 877-4DAD-411 or visit fatherhood.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. Automotive technicians and auto service trainees, how would you like to work at the beach and perform for one of the best car care centers in the nation? Lewis Meineke is now looking for skilled automotive technicians to join their award-winning team. If you're a gearhead that knows his or her stuff or a young up-and-comer that has the motivation and drive to succeed, then you need to make this call today. 302-827-2054. Lewis Meineke Car Care Center, located in beautiful Lewis, Delaware, offers a highly competitive compensation plan, great benefits, a flexible schedule, and did we mention that you're going to be working at the beach? Plus, there's a signing bonus for the right candidates. Technicians must be ASE certified and have a minimum of six years experience. Beginners advance at your own pace in one of several entry-level positions. But whatever you do, don't wait. These jobs will go fast. Call Tim at 302-827-2054. That's 302-827-2054. Lewis Meineke Car Care Center. Rev up your career. You hear that? That's the sound of America's only sports car. That's right. It's a Corvette. But not just any Corvette. It's your Corvette. 
It's that who cares if there's traffic part of your day. And this can be you when you come to Cooper Corvettes. With 60 years of Corvettes to choose from, there's always a Corvette in your budget. And they'll service any Corvette you bring in. Cooper Corvettes on Route 1 just north of Quantico and Triangle. Call, click, or visit coopercorvettes.com. How to deal with someone who says that's so gay. Outsmart them. This party is, like, so gay. Totally. Excuse me, but did you ladies know the word gay used to mean happy or excited? Then it became a word used to describe gay people. Then somehow it came to mean dumb or stupid, which is how you just used it, which is not very nice. Ew, that guy is on the football team and super smart, and he totally hates us now. Totally. When you say that's so gay, do you realize what you say? Knock it off. Learn more at thinkbeforeyouspeak.com. Hi, I'm Tyler Reddick, and you're listening to Race Talk on the Performance Motorsports Network. Tyler Reddick bringing us out of break and into our white flag segment here on PMN, and he is already a winner in the NASCAR Xfinity Series this season, having done so on a a mile-and-a-half track at Kentucky. We're going to another mile-and-a-half track in Texas this weekend. All three series are in action and, well, <laughs> it's going to be one of those weekends because everything's bigger in Texas, and Eddie Gossage is promoting Chase Elliott merchandise, Tom. that That's what I've learned. Yeah, well, I mean, that's typical Eddie Gossage. He, uh-huh. uh, he likes to stir the pot, and he's good at it. Yes, he is. And I get to tee off our uh, performance picks here, so I'm going to make this real short, real simple, real quick. Truck Series, Texas. I'm going to go with the guy that should have won a mile-and-a-half track race earlier this season, and everybody got confused because of the caution lights on the fence. And NASCAR said he didn't win. And I'm going to say he's going to spoil the playoff party, and he's going to win and basically say, Hi, guys. Remember me? I should have been here. But I'm not because of an engine failure. Chase Briscoe wins in the NASCAR Camping World Truck Series in the NASCAR Xfinity Series. I'm going to take a Xfinity driver to finally win an Xfinity playoff race and punch his freaking ticket to Homestead, Miami. And it's going to be the seven of Justin Allgaier who wins in Texas. Yeah, I know. Shocking, right? And for the Cup Series, duh, I keep picking him on mile-and-a-halves, and and he keeps winning Martin Truex until somebody beats him. He is the guy. Cisco. All right. So I'm going to start with the Cup Series because I'm just going to get out of the way. I completely agree with you. Martin Truex Jr. wins at Texas. I'm just going to get that out of the way so I don't have to worry about it. Trucks. I, I, you know what? I'm feeling that he didn't have a great race in Martinsville, but we're heading back to another mile and a half, and he's been very good at those, and he won the one race they've already had at Texas this season. Christopher Bell wins in the truck series, and as far as Xfinity goes, oh, I'm going to go with the driver 
of because we don't have an entry list, so I can't confirm. Uh, if he's actually, be in this. hang on, I can confirm three of them really quickly just based on things that the teams have said. Eighteen, okay. is, eighteen is Bell for the rest of the season. Let's clear that up right now. Christopher Bell finishes the year in the eighteen. The twenty, as far as I know, is Eric Jones still, and the twenty-two until at least until Homestead is Ryan Blaney. So there's your three power cars that are not in well, the driver's championship, if that helps. Well, that makes my life a whole lot easier because I was going to pick the guy who won at Texas already this season and came oh so close at Kansas. Eric Jones yeah. wins at Texas. That was kind of where I thought you were going to go with that, Tom. Uh, well, okay. So truck series, I mean, mile and a half, Matt would seem like the the pick here, except that he's not been mile and a half Matt this no, year. No, and I think Chris Bell is going to get himself a win on the mile and a half. He um, won at the sister track in Atlanta. He did indeed. Uh, in the Xfinity series, Cisco's right. Eric Jones. Eric's going to be the guy. A little bit perturbed, I think. Uh, after the uh, way <laughs> after the C Bell incident yeah, in Kansas, at Kansas, yeah. so I think Eric Jones comes back strong and gets the win. But keep your eye on Custer. I got a feeling about Cole in this one, and in the Cup series, you know, I believe what I see. It's going to be either Kyle or Martin, and I just feel like Martin Truex comes back and gets a win. Wow, were we unanimous on the seventy-eight? <laughs> Yes, we were. What How else about do that? You do? Well, when Martin's been as good as he's been this year, you don't. Though, I will say it, Cisco, and this is actually going to be the source of my first lightning round question here. Were you surprised, yes or no, that Jimmy Johnson was not good at statistically his best track, Sands for Dover? I don't like to say it, but no, not really. And I kind of came into Martinsville thinking if they were going to be good, they had to be good here. Like Keselowski. Because they, yeah, exactly. But they haven't been themselves, and they talked a little bit about it. He hasn't been Jimmy, Chad Knaus, the yeah. monolithic team that they have been for so long. And, I mean, you look at almost last year as well, and uh, this is a case where I – until HMS themselves figure out what they want to do and they put speed back into the 48 because the only car that I think has it out of that stable is the 24 right now. Yeah. I don't think the rest of the cars have championship winning speed. I think they have contention speed. I just don't think Jimmy's going to make it. I, I'm not surprised, honestly. Tom? Uh, I... What was the original question? Cisco kind of went are, off the. Went he didn't off go it. that far off it. Are, are, were you surprised that Jimmy Johnson was not good at Martinsville? Well, no, um, because uh, I mean I was surprised he wasn't better than he was. Yeah. But I'm not surprised he wasn't good. He's been off basically all season. Even the wins he got, for the most part, weren't Jimmy Johnson kind of wins. He didn't just go dominate. And you know, I I I do think though that he could he could surprise at Texas and and get that win if he makes it to Homestead. <laughs> look out! Yeah, if he can just somehow yeah. get there, look, uh, look out. out. I, I'm going to remind you, he's only three points outside well, the cut line right now. Yeah. 
Just saying. Here's my two cents. Yes, I was surprised he was bad at Martinsville because Jimmy Johnson is the modern-era king of Martinsville, just like he is at Dover. I was shocked. And Jimmy, in his interview after the race, was shocked that they weren't better than they were at Martinsville. However, I'll offer these numbers for this weekend at Texas, and you can do with them what you will. Jimmy Johnson has won four out of the last five playoff races at Texas, and he has won six of the last ten races overall at Texas. This is a track where he can do amazing things, much like Dover. Keep an eye on the 48 this weekend. Next question. Does Chase Elliott pay Denny Hamlin back this weekend at Texas? Yes or no, Tom? No. Cisco. No. You know what? I'm going to be that guy and disagree with both of you again. I actually say yes. I think they're going to end up together on track at some point on Sunday, and I do think you see the 24 well, pay the 11 back. Seattle, what I, do you what do you define as payback? That was do you, Are you saying he's going to spin him? I think he'll bump him if he's there, but I don't think he's going to spin the guy. I don't um, just, hey, did, did not we not Chase's... did we not learn anything from twenty two and twenty at Kansas a few yeah, years ago? Ch- that's not Chase's style. I I don't see Chase doing that. Like I said, he may bump him, but I don't care if if you consider that payback. But he's not going to spin him or put him in the fence. That's just not Chase Elliott. All right, next question. Clint Boyer after the race was among a contingent of drivers and fans calling for a full-on night race at Martinsville because, as Clint said, we need to use these darn things for more than just a green-white checkered. Do we see a night race at Martinsville in the near future, yes or no, Cisco? Yes, we need to happen. It needs to happen, and it's been happening since NASCAR 2005 Chase for the Cup. So just make it happen already, guys. It happens in the video games. Make it happen in real life. It's awesome. Come I'll, on. I'll go next. Clay Campbell. I don't care what you have to do. Get down on your knees. Beg NASCAR. Write letters. Do something. Please. Night racing at Martinsville needs to be a thing. Night racing finish at Martinsville was amazing, Tom. Um, It was amazing. It was great. Here's the problem. It was 44 degrees in the middle of the afternoon. You, I, I don't believe that a night race at Martinsville in the fall is the right now the april race the spring race perfect do it on a saturday night let's rock i just think that would you move this... it if you did that would you move the truck race to friday night too by the way maybe or I would mean, you do a saturday night sunday night I, no i don't want sunday night not good i i just i i think i'd have to probably you know why can't you well, you guess you can't do them both. Seven hundred and fifty laps in one day is it's a lot cutting it close. But it could happen. I mean I I just think uh, I don't think you could get all the practice and qualifying. No, done on it would Friday. be tough. I just yeah. I love the idea of it, but um a five hundred lap race that starts at seven or seven thirty in the evening, especially this time of the year in this part of the country, is you know, the crowd was good there. It wasn't capacity by any means. I just I don't know. I I love the idea of it. I'm not sure it's practical unless you find a way to do it in warmer weather. Fair enough. Fair enough. I've had fun. Have we had fun, Tom? I feel like we've had fun. Yeah, it's been been a great show. And, you know, it was a really good weekend of racing, no matter how you looked at it. And, you know, I think we've, we've set up for some real 
interesting stuff going into this coming weekend, um, both locally and nationally. Yes, yes, we have. And with that, we are going to toss a checkered flag on this edition of Motorsports Madness and remind you that we are here every week at this time from 7 to 9 on the Performance Motorsports Network. Thanks to Mike Garrity, Megan Coleman, our social media partners at Three Wide Life, as well as Bob Steele, Susan Mason, Bill Holt behind the glass, and all the folks at PMN that make this show possible. So for Tom Baker, Cisco Scaramuza, and all of our RaceChaserOnline.com staff, I'm Jacob Seward reminding you to check out Race Chaser Online for your motorsports, your way, every day, and keep an eye out for perhaps a surprise op-ed from yours truly tomorrow on what we saw over the weekend. Until then, keep it off the wall, folks, and we might just see you at the racetrack. Have a safe racing weekend till we meet again. You've been listening to Motorsports Madness with the Race Chaser Online crew. Stay tuned to Performance Motorsports Network for more race talk. For the latest motorsports news, visit racechaseronline.com. Motorsports Madness is a copyrighted production of the Performance Motorsports Network, www.performancemotorsportsnetwork.com. A member of the Scorpion Radio Group Incorporated and may not be rebroadcast, replicated, or saved in any media without the explicit written permission of PMN. Check out our Facebook page or our section in the PMN website. The opinions expressed on this program are those of the host, co-hosts, and guests and do not necessarily reflect those of the management and ownership of either the Performance Motorsports Network or Scorpion Radio Group Incorporated, the advertisers, or the marketing partners. Be listening again next week when the madness returns on Monday night at 7 Eastern. Until then, keep it off the wall and keep the shiny side up.